Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with BankInfoSecurity.com. We're talking today with Steve Katz, who's been introduced as, Steve, I forget it, as the godfather of soul or the godfather of information security. If I only could dance, I'd say Godfather of Soul, but I walk, I dance real bad, so I'll take, the, I'll take the security part. Steve, it's good to catch up with you again. We talked earlier this year, and, and a lot has happened since then, but I guess to start out, let me just ask you, what are the types of things that you're up to these days, just to, to give our, our audience a sense of what you're doing? I'm spending a good portion of my time as a, an advisor to Deloitte Security Practice, another portion of my time working with a company called the Roundtable Network, and we put on... Uh, uh, roundtables for information security executives that are sponsored by uh, security product uh, vendor companies. And then I sit in a couple of boards. I sit in the Encircle board. I uh, sit in a couple of advisory boards. And generally try and keep my fingers on the pulse of the information security community, primarily in the financial services sector, but also sometime in the health sector. And uh, pretty much try and uh, stay on top of the community that I've grown up with over the past 35 years. Very good. Steve, from your perspective, what have been the top three banking security stories of 2008? I think there's, well, the maybe top three, there's really one primary story, and that is the uh, state of financial services sector as it is today, and that is pretty much driving everything we're looking at. Uh, unfortunately, as a result of the uh, changes in the financial community and the changes in the economy, we're seeing a large number of companies becoming bank holding companies. That's maybe a good thing. And they are now uh, companies that have become bank holding companies are now required to conform to FFIEC handbook as well as GLBA. In many cases, it's little more than, I guess, putting icing on the cake. In other, ca- in other companies, it's potentially as uh, making a new cake. But by and large, I think most of the investment banks and uh, the credit card companies and some bank holding companies have had pretty good security programs to begin with. And it's really you know, maybe reshaping them, uh, reformatting them, uh, and again putting icing on the cake. But it's also uh, now becoming subjected to a new set of regulators and regulations, as I said, as I, said, as I mentioned, the FFIEC handbook and GLBA, and the OCC examiners, FDIC examiners, uh, FRB examiners are a really challenging group to work with. They are very knowledgeable. I'm not saying other examining bodies are not. Uh, but they do make companies uh, set up and uh, pay attention. And they are highly motivating. They help you uh, make your program better. But in helping to make your program better, you have to stretch. And trying to stretch in difficult economic times is a challenge. In addition to that, is, uh, the economic times are really causing companies to have to figure out how they deal with uh, large-scale divestitures, and that's going to be a challenge. How do you make people who were an employee yesterday uh, not employed today? How do you deal with a potential group of, uh, I guess, people who are kind of disgruntled and uh, still staying on the payroll and not sure they're going to remain on the payroll for any considerable amount of time? So that's major. Uh, in other cases, it's dealing with acquisitions and bringing you know, new companies into the fold and figure out how you can make that happen in a timely fashion. So I think story one, two, and three is the economic downturn and the impact it's had on the entire sector. I think story two will probably be uh, the fact that we've been talking about deparameterization for an awful long period of time, and we're actually living through deparameterization. There's that marvelous uh, ancient Chinese curse, may you live in interesting times. We are certainly living in very, very interesting times. And the challenge of delivering trust and delivering, you know, delivering on our trust commitment to our customers just is, you know, is amazing, but it's something we have to deal with. 
and our customers are expecting us, especially in these interesting times, to continue to deliver on that trust commitment. And they are, they are, you know, somewhat shaken by the, you know, shifts in the economy. And the last thing they want to deal with is a, a cybersecurity breach. So I don't know if that. So I think we sort of answered one, two, you know, the three almost in, in two, as two, uh, uh, in two situations. I think the third is probably the. Uh, the impact that uh, data privacy and data breach notification laws are having on us and the fact that uh, customers will, you know, that banks must now make sure that they uh, deal with the stringent data breach notification regulations that have come out both of Massachusetts and uh, in the wonderful world of Minnesota. So not only is Minnesota dealing with a Senate race, but they're dealing with a very stringent data breach notification law that has, I think, orange, suit, orange jumpsuit uh, potential in it. Wow. Steve, given what you've just talked about, how do you assess the state of consumer confidence in banking institutions today? And I guess I'd ask you to differentiate between Wall Street and Main Street there, if there is a difference. So many of the banks have now rolled up into the large financial services institutions. I think companies, people who live in the in the small communities have always relied on the fact that their, comp- their little banks are, and they go to these little banks in a disparaging way, but the banks are on the on the corner of Main, you know, Main Street and Main Street, and these small banks are now part of these very large bank holding companies. And I think for com- people's confidence is really shaken down to the very roots. Um, I think these small the people who always used community banks still believe that community banks are solvent and strong. I think people in the mid-tier banks who've seen that banks. Uh, Financial conditions uh, really become uh, somewhat shaky. They become just, you know, somewhat uh, frightened. Uh, I think the future of banking in general is very, very solid. Uh, I was quoted in Linda's blog today saying banks really have uh, two things to sell: money and trust. And if you don't sell the trust, you're not going to sell the money. It is a quote that I stole from uh, John Reed, the former CEO of uh, Citigroup. But I think that's part and parcel of what our financial services sector is. If we don't continue to provide trust in the financial services sector, the people are are really not going to use us. And we have to make sure that they understand that when they use the financial services sector, when they use their banks, the money is going to be there. And the banks have to make sure that they continue to provide a level of trust. And and we in the information security information risk area have to make sure that we are not one of the concerns that people will have. They have to understand that when they bank electronically, when they uh, store their information with us, that information is going to be protected every bit as much as their money is going to be protected. And they, uh, the customers have to believe that they are both going to be well protected and that we have customers' best interests uh, as you know, as you know, front of mind, as center of uh, center of our plane. So, what is it that the individual institutions have got to do to ensure and grow that trust? I think, first of all, we have to let our customers know that, it's, that it is important to us and that uh, this trust commitment is, first and foremost, in our mindset. This is what we do. This is what we provide. This is what we want to do. Uh, and then we want to do it. This is what we do. I think we have to go out there and let them know, especially, you know, I don't think my expertise is not in one of being a banker. My expertise is one of being able to protect the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of customer information. And I think we have to make sure that our customers know that that is front of mind for every 
every person banks with us electronically, every person banks with us in any way, uh, shape, or means. We have to know that not only is that a cornerstone of the relationship we have with our banks, and it's not only something that is, uh, you know, checked internally, but it's something that uh, regulators demand, and it's something that uh, not only is demanded, but it's something that they check on regularly. It's something that uh, at least once a year, uh, the FDIC or the Federal Reserve Board or the OCC or the State uh, Bank Commission goes out and makes sure that we are doing our best to provide the integrity, confidentiality, the availability of information. Uh, and we really have to make sure that it's, it's something that is, that is shared with our customers. Um, I think I mentioned earlier that deperimatization is an issue. I think we, we've reached a level in our uh, banking environment where there is no inside, there's no outside, and our customers have to understand we protect the data the way we protect, we, the way we protect deposits, although in this uh, environment somehow that has almost a hollow ring to it, but I think we have to make sure that we uh, do more than ha- let that have a hollow ring. That's a good point. Earlier this year when we spoke, Steve, you spoke about red flags compliance, and at the time you pointed yeah. out, which, which was smart, that board involvement was going to be a key issue in that. So November 1 is come and gone now. From what you see, how well have institutions complied with the red flags rule, and where do you see that they're still lacking? I mean, red flags is, I think, uh, is really the one of the cornerstones of protecting consumers from identity theft. And it comes back down to this trust commitment to our customers. Red flags should be a little more than the program bank's financial institutions have had an effect to say if we have reason to believe that customer information might be compromised or could be uh, could potentially be compromised, we will know about it early on and we'll take steps to uh, ensure that that information is protected. The FI's financial institutions that I've spoken with have recognized going back uh, at least six, eight months ago how important uh, protecting customer uh, identity information is. And they've taken, they've taken the regulation very seriously. Uh, I'm quite certain that uh, most of the FIs have year-end presentations to the board on the state of uh, information security risk, and I'm quite certain that red flags will be part of their annual presentation to the board. Like many of the FIs, security technology risk officers and security information officers uh, will be presenting to uh, the board at year-end or uh, Q1, and red flags will be part of that. I think they've gone through the process flows and data flows to highlight where potential uh, risk to customer information would lie and have put in sound programs to literally say, here's a potential risk point, here's a potential tipping point, and uh, uh, know when, uh, when uh, there's been a potential breach of data and have uh, taken appropriate steps to deal with it. Six, eight months ago, nine months ago, a year ago, this was brand new information. But I think the financial institution technology risk officers, officers that I've spoken with have taken this quite seriously and have recognized that it's, uh, and the boards of directors have taken it quite seriously as, as well. I think boards are very good at uh, recognizing that uh, customer data is, is quite important and protecting that data is important. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, the Massachusetts data protection law and the Minnesota data protection law set a no high watermark, and uh, as, as has red flags. And uh, I'm sure that they've done it. Every, the folks I've spoken with have done everything they can to make sure that it, they will be in compliance with red flags and be, uh, and they will certainly be subject to audit by the uh, external examiners regarding red flags. Steve, we had an important national election last month. We've got a Democratic president coming in now. 
What do you think that banking institutions might expect to see from the Obama administration? The only reference point they can take us back to is the, uh, the Clinton administration, and they, they took a very active role in terms of critical infrastructure protection. Uh, the Clinton administration was uh, uniquely responsible for I think, Presidential Decision Directive 63, which really was directly responsible for setting up sector coordinators, the uh, private sector coordinator for financial uh, security. They were pretty much uh, outlined the requirements for the financial services uh, ISAC and financial sharing and, and analysis center, uh, indirectly responsible for setting up what has become the uh, FISIC and CIVIC, which are the organizations that are overseeing uh, cyber security uh, uh, oversight committees. So I think you see a rather strong uh, strong focus in information protection. There's also been some discussion that the Obama administration will be setting up a chief technology officer, whether that will happen or not. I think it's still up to discussion. There was a meeting early, I guess, early this month with uh, <clears throat> some senators and about 60 private sector, coordinate, private sector folks looking at information security. So I think we have every reason to be optimistic that the uh, Obama administration will be at least as strongly focused on information security as was the Clinton administration. I'm hopeful that uh, with the number of Clinton administration folks that are active in the Obama administration, that we'll wind up seeing <clears throat> a return to a White House, a, I guess a security czar out of the White House. Uh, what I'm somewhat optimistic about, and you know, just one person's opinion, is that uh, we'll see a renewed emphasis in uh, cybersecurity coming out of the financial services sector, uh, the government side of the financial services sector, if I could sort of wave a magic wand, we'd have the cybersecurity uh, czar in the sector coming probably jointly out of the Federal Reserve Board, uh, Board of Governors and and Treasury. I think they probably have the – we've always had an assistant secretary of Treasury as the interface between the Treasury – between the financial – I guess the government side of financial services and the private sector. And that tends to be a political appointment, and that people tend to roll in and out of that. Uh, so the person who's doing it in the Bush administration is rolling out of that position and looking for a job. And if I could wave a magic wand, they would have a cybersecurity office of financial services sector somehow working in the Federal Reserve Board, and, and that would be a non-political point of position, and you'd have more reason to see continuity over a greater period of time. And probably that person actually uh, become the, the government representative on the physics and the FSSCC, Financial Service Sector Coordinating Council, and uh, probably as an oversight role in the FIBIC, which is the Financial Financial Banking Institution Oversight Board or something. They just want getting uh, messed up on the acronyms. But I think we need greater continuity in FISIC and FIBIC, and uh, I would look to the Federal Reserve Board of Governors as a place to uh, really house a cybersecurity as well for the uh, government representative of, uh, for cybersecurity. Yes, Steve, one advantage Obama is going to have is he's going to have a Democratic Congress as well. Now, there seems to be some resolve that we're going to see some kind of regulatory reform or some kind of extra regulatory push. People understand the what. They don't really know what the when is. What do you see as some of the major regulatory issues that are going to be taken up in 2009? I guess as part of that, I'd ask you, do you foresee this administration and Congress reshuffling the regulatory agencies as has been proposed by the current Treasury Secretary? 
That's really a rough one. I'm sure what's your crystal ball. Uh, I certainly see, as I mentioned, a greater focus on cybersecurity. I'm sort of going to circle back. When we mentioned the uh, the top top uh, news stories, what I did mention was the White House breach. And I think if there were ever a need for somebody saying there's a, it sort of comes back to the regulatory issue, if there were ever a wake-up call as to why you need a greater focus on information security within that uh, breach in the White House uh, email system, and saying you really need to have either congressional oversight, well, that wouldn't work in the White House, but you need a great amount of uh, focus within the White House on data security and information security. If a breach can take place in the White House email system, uh, email system, then a breach can take place anywhere in the executive branch. And I think the Obama administration has to go in there and say, we, they cannot allow that to happen. And I think the, the oversight that we're going to hopefully see out of the out of either pending regulation or out of uh, the, uh, the administrative branch is a much stronger focus on information security. For hopefully a cybersecurity czar coming out of the White House with cybersecurity czars uh, in each of the uh, equivalent uh, cabinet-level areas. And I would also like to see a uh, some general regulation. I'm going to, and again, focusing on information security and information technology, and I will leave the banking regu regulations out of there because the folks far wiser and far more informed than I am that look at that. But I think a preemptive uh, set of privacy regulations coming out, a preemptive set of... Uh, data security regulations, which will really require and a little more prescriptive in terms of a data-centric security focus on uh, on information so that you can be protecting data regardless of where it is, some sort of regulation that recognizes that uh, there's a need to bring in academia, private sector, and public sector to say, what is the root cause of the problem and how do we deal with it, as opposed to a whole lot of patchwork uh, regulations. And I make sure we get get it done sooner than later. But I think the absolute need to get this get something done a lot earlier is probably a far better way to go. And hopefully that'll happen, you know, a lot sooner than later. Steve, based on the conversations you have with people these days in the industry, what do you see as the biggest security threats to banking institutions? Biggest security threat, I think, is still is a patchwork approach to security, and not looking at this as a business risk management issue. Um, the security, as long as we look at security as something that's being added onto instead of an integral part of a, pro of a, uh, a product, we're going to have a problem. So I think it's very much the nature of take uh, the information security or heads of technology risk, working with the the heads of business, and again working with regulators and examiners to make sure that information protection is part of the solution and part of the product offering, and making sure the folks understand this is part of the service we offer to our customer. It's coming back to the whole we sell trust. And the business heads and business folks that you know we work with have to understand that we are offering what we're offering is a solution to a business problem, and what we're offering is a solution to a customer problem. We're not solving a security problem; we're solving a, a customer problem. 
And to the extent we still try to solve security problems, we're going to wind up having we are, you know, we're going to wind up having resistance. To the extent we look like, to the extent we look to solve a a business problem and a customer problem, we'll have solutions. The biggest, but again, we, for far too long, and I've been doing this for a lot of years, we tried to solve security problems and tried to solve security. And folks really aren't interested in security. People are interested in providing the best solutions to their customers. And it comes down to the same thing with dealing with regulators. We're not trying to solve regulatory compliance problems. Regulators are really looking to ensure that the safety and soundness of the products and the institutions that they examine. The extent we focus on on customer problems, the extent we focus on providing safety and soundness solutions, that's the extent we're going to succeed. And what we really need is, a, is walking around with a, you know, with a business hat, uh, business hat on, and a business head on. Uh, to the extent we're looking to go in and tell us as a, uh, a business head or a board of directors what we're doing for them and why we need their help, it's not going to work. What we have to understand is, you know, we have to understand what their problems are. And they have, we have to understand <coughs> what they need to do to protect their customers. And, this is going to be awfully cliche because I think I've used this in almost every interview that I've done for the past 30 years. But if you look at the nuggets of security, you're looking at answering some very simple questions that have absolutely nothing to do with technology and really nothing to do with security. And I've used this in discussing security with boards of directors. And I've used this in discussing this with uh, heads, of business heads of businesses at the companies in which I've worked. And the first question I always comes down to, do you care who you're transacting with? Is that important? And that's not a technology problem, that's not a security problem, that's a business problem. If the answer to that is yes, then you can figure out how you know how do you want to know. And once you know, you know, do you once you know who they are, do you care what they're going to be allowed to do? And then once you get an answer to that, is that do you want that that transaction to be confidential? Do you want that do you want are you concerned about the integrity of that transaction? Do you want to sign receipts for that transaction? Uh, if something goes wrong with that transaction, do you want to know about it? And focus your questions around, focus your security problem around very simple questions that add value to the business transaction, add value to the product, not value to the security. And then when you have compliance discussions with, with regulators and with examiners, you can turn around and say, we've solved a business problem. We've gone through the, the confidentiality, availability, and integrity, and the audits that are involved. We've explained risk. We've had a documented risk control uh, system in place, and here's the risk we're willing to accept. And if the regulators turn around and say we don't agree with that, you've at least raised the level. You've, you're dealing with a level of risk that's been raised within the business community itself. And they can sort of argue back and forth whether the risk is too great or not. But you've, you've dealt with the business issue, you've dealt with uh, customer confidence issues, you've dealt with trust issues, and you've dealt with examiner issues at the same time. That's well said, Steve. While you've got that business hat on, I want to ask you one last question. If you were at a, one of your old jobs today at a banking institution, as a security executive, what would you see as the major business priorities for banking and security leaders in the new year?
Make sure you, making sure you have a presence at the table so that you've developed a level of personal trust so that when there is an issue, so that when there is an issue, the folks know who you are before there's an issue. You're not just the person that shows up and says, oh, my gosh, we've got a problem. There's, oh, my gosh, here comes a guy who comes to us with a solution. Here's a guy who we've known through the course of a year and has developed a personal level of credibility. So when he or she comes to the table and comes to talk to me, I know he's got the interest of the, the business at heart. He's going to come to you with a set of recommendations that are best for the business and not coming to you with a security problem that I, want, that I have to solve. That's well said. Do you see banking institutions being able to, um, to invest their resources in new services this next year? I hear a lot of people talking about mobile banking. I think banks recognize that they have to grow. I think mobile banking is 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 going to continue to 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 increase. I think electronic banking is going to increase to continue to increase. I think the rate of increase might not be as great as we had you know, hoped for a year ago. But um, there was an article out a few weeks ago that talked about a few days ago that talked about uh, mobile technology and cell phones being the uh, path of the future for all kinds of transaction services. I really think that's going to take place. Uh, if you take a look at the kids going into universities today, they're all wiki-friendly, web 2 kind of uh, kind of folks. They're the customers for the next five to ten years. They're comfortable doing things on their iPhones. They're comfortable doing things on a in a shared application uh, from a shared application perspective. They're comfortable sharing data. They're not comfortable with the hearing that you can't do that. That's the next generation of customer. And we have to figure out a way to deal with them because if we don't, they're going to go to the they're going to go to the bank financial or financial institution that will provide them with the products and services that that, that, that they want. And we've got to wait, find a way to make sure that we can safely and securely provide them with the products and services that they need and that, that they want to use. And our way as technology risk technology risk professionals is find a way to do that in a safe and secure way. Our way is to find a way a comfortable way to say yes and securely offer the products and services that our customers need or create those products and services that our customers uh, customers need, customers want. That's well said. Steve, I appreciate your time and your insight today. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Tom. Anytime. We've been talking with Steve Katz. And for Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.